It's February 11th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and I am honored that you would spend some time with me reading through the Bible today. We're going to continue in our one-year Bible plan, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation as always. Our Old Testament reading is Exodus chapter 32 and 33 today. Catch you up. Uh, Moses has been receiving commands and laws from God, and we've been reading a lot of those commands and those laws, uh, and now we're going to jump back into narrative. So as you read the scriptures, the narratives are the fun parts to read. They wrap us up, and, and we're able to ask questions and say, what is this? And the laws can be kind of more monotonous, both important, but as we jump back into the narrative here, uh, we see a mistake from the people of Israel, and uh, if we can put down our pride, we might just see ourselves in the mistake. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses, who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from your ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. When Aaron took the gold and melted it down and molded it into the shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. And the people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. The Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. Your people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf. They have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them, and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bond yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven. And I will give them all this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain. He held in his hands the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of God's covenant. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. These tablets were God's work. The words on them were written by God himself. When Joshua heard the boisterous noise of the people shouting below, he exclaimed to Moses, It sounds like war in the camp. But Moses replied, No, it's not a shout of victory nor the wailing of defeat. I hear the sound of celebration. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it to, into powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. Finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, Why did these people do to you? What did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? Don't get so upset, my lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, Make us gods who will lead us. 
We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And they brought it to me. I simply threw it in the fire and out came this calf. Right. Have you ever been caught in a lie? <laughs> Aaron's like, yeah, I just took the gold and I threw it in the fire and you wouldn't believe it. It came out as a calf. Okie dokie. Verse 25. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and shouted, All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. Moses told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each of you take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone, even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses' command, and about 3,000 people died that day. Then Moses told the Levites, Today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord, for you obeyed him even though it meant killing your sons and brothers. Today you have earned a blessing. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a terrible sin, but I will go back up to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves. But now if you will only forgive their sin... But if not, erase my name from the record you have written. But the Lord replied to Moses, No, I will erase the name of everyone who has sinned against me. Now, go lead the people to the place I told you about. Look, my angel will lead the way before you. And when I come to call the people to account, I will certainly hold them responsible for their sins. Then the Lord sent a great plague upon the people because they had worshipped the calf Aaron had made. That concludes chapter 32. Let me interject, and then we'll go to chapter 33. And I want to talk a little bit at the end, but uh, chapter 32, we see Moses is up getting the laws. The people are impatient. Uh, and so they're like, you know, we want gods we can see. Aaron makes them a golden calf. And they begin worshiping that calf. And God is angry. Moses is angry. And in kind of our pride and snobbery, we can say, I don't like the way God reacts, or I don't like the way Moses reacts. And, you know, there are a couple of places I could go with that. Number one, this is written um, in an ancient time. Uh, but more importantly than that, I'm not God's PR guy, and I'm not Moses' PR guy, uh, but I find it interesting that what we find uh, appalling sometimes is what God has done and not what the people have done. It's appalling that the people have sinned against the God of this universe. He has just freed them from slavery, and they can't even be patient enough to not worship other things, to not worship idols. And so God is angry, Moses is angry, and rightfully so. It is just wrath. Now moving in to chapter 33. It says, the Lord said to Moses, now Moses is, remember, he's going back up to talk to the Lord, and he's going to say, I'm trying to intercede on your behalf for the Lord. So chapter 33, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Prezerites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. When the people heard these certain words, they went into mourning and stopped wearing, wearing their jewelry and fine clothes. For the Lord had told Moses to tell them, You are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I were to travel with you for even a moment, I would destroy you. Remove your jewelry and fine clothes while I decide what to do with you. So, from the time they left Mount Sinai, the Israelites wore no more jewelry or fine clothes. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrance of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. 
As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow in front of their own tents, inside the tent of meeting. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me, I know you by name and I look favorably upon you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor and remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Which is beautiful. It's God's presence that makes Israel anything. Without God's presence, they're they're, they're nobody. And they know that. Moses knows that. By the way, as the church, the only thing that makes us, the church, powerful is we have the presence of God. Without the presence of God, we're just people getting together and, and doing social good. I mean, there's charities. There's all sorts of things that can do that. No, what, what sets us apart, what sets them apart is the presence of God. So Moses says, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. Verse 17, the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name Yahweh before you, for I will show mercy to anyone I choose, And I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, Look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. And that concludes our Old Testament reading. It's going to leave us a little bit on a cliffhanger. We're going to have to come back tomorrow to see what will God do with these rebellious people. And it's really important because you and I are rebellious people. So how does this play out? And more importantly, what can it tell us uh, about the grand story? So we're in the story of Exodus, but as I told you before, this is a story that's bigger than this story. It's the story of the Bible. It's the story of the universe. And uh, we see why this is such a big deal here at the end, uh, where God says, you know, I, I couldn't go with you because if I went with you, I would destroy you. Because he's holy, he's set apart. His presence uh, is a presence of life and goodness. We, uh, as people, choose uh, what is good and right for ourselves. So just like they make calf, a golden calf out of jewelry, we laugh at that. We make golden calves out of money, out of 401ks, out of knowledge, out of being smarter than people, out of physical power. We, we put these things in our lives that we put trust in over and above God. Doctrine for some people is an idol. It's a god. And it, it's probably one of the scariest ones because it seems like you're studying God, but really what you're doing is you're you're trying to build your own superior. You're finding your trust in, in knowing things. So as we have all these things, and we sin against God. And when we sin against God, it, it's it's ultimately uh, leading to death because God's way leads to life. So if we don't take God's way, what way are we taking? We're taking the way to death. God cannot be in the presence of such sin. He hates sin because sin hurts his people and hurts the people around them and so you know it's not it's not as simple as um you know god just oh i forgive you guys no it's his very nature will not allow for it so how can these people be in the presence 
of God? How can we as people be in the presence of God? Well, we're going to find out a little bit more about that tomorrow, and it's going to leave us on a cliffhanger here. But, spoiler alert, uh, this podcast is biased, and obviously I provide my commentary, so if you want a podcast where you just have the Bible read to you, there are podcasts like that, but I want this to be more of a devotional type reading, and I am a Christian, which means I believe Jesus Christ is the culmination. And I believe that Jesus is the way in which it is possible for sinful humanity to walk into the glorious presence of God. And we'll talk a little bit more about how that is actually made possible tomorrow. So, cliffhanger. Come back tomorrow to get the rest of the story. Moving on to our New Testament reading. Matthew chapter 26, verse 69 through chapter 27, verse 14. And we are right in the middle of the gospel narrative, uh, the heart of it, the climax. And uh, these words are captivating. And there's a reason why for uh, almost 2,000 years now, uh, people have been picking apart and studying uh, and building their life upon the very words we are about to read. Mark, or sorry, Matthew chapter 26, verse 69. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. So as a reminder, Jesus is being tried. He was just um, convicted for blasphemy. And uh, Peter, meanwhile, is denying Jesus, just as Jesus said he would. Jesus has been completely abandoned uh, as the uh, the people are spitting, cursing at him, and, and whipping him. And Peter has denied him. And now Peter's sitting here at the courtyard, and a, a girl comes over to him and says, You were the one with Jesus the Galilean. Verse 70. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, and this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away, weeping bitterly. Moving into chapter 27, verse 1. Very early in the morning, the leading priests and elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the thirty pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. Why do we care, they retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins in the temple and went out and hanged himself. The leading priests picked up the coins. It wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury, they said, since it was payment for murder. After some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field they made into a cemetery for foreigners. That is why the field is still called the field of blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that says, They took the thirty pieces of silver, the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel, and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, You have said it. But when the leading priest and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they are bringing against you, Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. That concludes our New Testament reading. Isn't it fascinating what happened with the money 
uh, that was paid to Judas for betraying Jesus. Well, he takes it, feels remorse, he brings it back to them, uh, goes off and hangs himself, and the priest, with the money, buy a field for people to be buried in. It's just so ironic. Uh, they got the money through death, and they invested it in death. Isn't that interesting? Moving on to uh, the Proverbs of the day. Proverbs 8, 33 through 36. Proverbs 8, verse 33. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. And finally, we will be reading Psalm 33 in a posture of prayer. This is the 33rd Psalm, verses 1 through 11. Psalm 33, verse 1. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. Father, we thank you for your unfailing love. Lord, let us be people who, because of the joy we have in Christ Jesus, that he would come live the life we couldn't live, die the death we deserve to die, and rise again, inviting us into new life, a life of restoration, be filled with such joy that we can't help but to sing. Verse 6. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. Oh God, who am I that I get to speak to the creator of the universe? Thank you that you not only have created me, you've created a way for me to pursue you in your goodness, but Lord, you listen to me. You're not a far-off God. You are a father. Verse 10. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes, but the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. God, what confidence uh, must I have in a king who does not change his mind, who does not lead us wrongly? Uh, Lord, all the kings, the presidents of this world uh, will never be able to provide a firm foundation because they are people. And yet your plans stand firm. Lord, help me align my plans with your plans. Thank you, Lord, that you don't change, that you are who you are from beginning to end. And thank you that you've revealed yourself to me. I pray that you would do the same to anybody who maybe is listening to my voice and has never seen you for who you truly are. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me for today's reading. I know it's a bit longer. Sometimes um, I get excited about these texts, and I just want to share that with you. Uh, and uh, texts like Exodus 32 uh, on through tomorrow's reading uh, are, are one of those uh, kind of points in Scripture that, that really get me excited, and I hope the same is true for you. If something else stood out to you, or if it ever does, please let me know, because that's what makes the Bible so special, is when we read it in community, and uh, you can help me see things that I have uh, not seen before, and, and hopefully uh, along the way I've helped you see a couple things that maybe you hadn't seen before, and the Bible uh, can then come to life to all of us. And uh, that's what it is. It's a living, active word. So let's let it be that. 
Uh, and until tomorrow, hope you have uh, a great uh, day, whatever you may be doing as you're listening to this very podcast. And I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.